0: On today's episode of Soul 0-2, we're going to be talking about humanity's capacity, endless capacity, to manufacture an endless amount of gods on Soul 0-2. And welcome to Soul 0-2. This is a podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time, one soul at a time. And uh, today we're going to be talking about trinket gods, and I call it the trinket gods because of the scripture we read last time that, uh, where it mentions trinket gods in Galatians five nineteen, and and that scripture is very powerful because it talks about the idea that when we um, uh, when we engage our lives in idolatry, we create these trinket gods, things that we just manufacture ourselves and then worship them, and in this series. We've been talking about this whole idea. This is part four, Trinket Gods. But in this series, we, we, we want to just mention the idea. of And I want to give you a quote that I gave you last time by John Calvin, which is really good. He said, the human mind is a perpetual forge of idols. And <clears throat> in other words, there's no end to our invention of things that we create and worship. And last time we talked about three ways that we invert God's image, because idolatry is when you take your God-given image and you reverse it for your own purposes, and you invert it. And I call this message trinket gods because of humanity's capacity to manufacture an endless list of idols. And today we can only mention a few. I, I think I have seven lined up for you today. But but the biggest one, especially, and, and I'm saying this because we live in a Western country where we're American. But our biggest idol, I'm absolutely convinced, is is, is this one. And and uh. You won't be surprised when you see it, okay? But but uh, this idol is is such a serious thing that that I think we have to talk about it, right? But th- this is America's biggest idol: self idolatry or narcissism. And self idolatry is the idea of you know, and hey, you know, we, we we talk about rights, and you know, I'm born with all these rights, and you know, and all these things, and um, and we we. we we were born as a nation with the hunger for rights and freedom and all these, and that's wonderful. We we have to have freedom, right? Uh, oppression is an evil thing, and but somewhere along the line, it evolved to this to this idolatry where I'm the center of attention. Everything spins around me. That, that's self-idolatry, and narcissism. You know, can can be defined as excessive interest in. Or admiration of oneself and one's physical appearance. Just think about this whole selfie generation. That there are people that just all they do is take pictures of themselves and post them, and and that's 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 self-idolatry, really. I'm worshiping me, but it's also worshiping what I want. Um, And some even maybe worship their own idea of God, and say, "Well, God is is this way. You know, this is how how I believe God is, and how He needs to be." And so why did Aaron, in in the Old Testament, Moses' brother, why did he make the calf originally? Um, many cultists who, who teach on on cults and on uh, idolatry say that, and these are theologians I'm, I'm I'm quoting, but that Aaron forged the idea that he could create an idol that represents God, and in this, in this case he made a calf, which is really uh, um, disrespectful, but so. Some worship an idea of God in the place of the God of the scriptures. And this God is maybe more flexible, more convenient, more workable, more agreeable, and maybe kind of stands with you. And that's all self-idolatry. That, that that's saying I, I want a God of my own making instead of going to God on his terms and and submitting to him and saying, Lord, what do you want from me? You know, what 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 life do you want me to have? And so so that's one one kind of idolatry, but another big one, and this is, again, in, in modern times, right, is the idolatry of the media and celebrity. And some of these I put together because it's hard to separate them, right? Celebrity, you know, the super wealth, super glamour, super worship of, of people. And some people uh, are so famous today and so rich and so powerful that they're richer than some kings of some countries, and have more power and wealth than some kings, and people worship them accordingly. And and uh, the media, you know, speaks of actors and sports figures and, and performers and divas as stars or gods or icons, right, or idols. And so there is true idolatry when it comes to famous people, you know. And, and hey, we've all had them, right? Like, I love certain, like... Certain of my idols of theology and my idols of musicians, like like um, I love classical music, so I, I like certain certain composers or conductors, and I'm like that guy is awesome, you know. So we can all have this. This is not pointing fingers here. We can all struggle with this idolatry, and this is why it's possible, as as N.T. Wright has observed, that people like Princess Diana was called a sexy saint. Because when you start mixing ideas of what a God is and you create a God of your own making, you can apply whatever morality or lack of morality to that. And, you know, people like Kim Kardashian, you know, which we we pray for and we, you know, I I pray she finds Christ. I, I don't know what, what her relationship with God is, but but they're known for their daily selfies, right? And and always taking a picture of themselves and 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 people, worshippers just wait for these pictures. And I'm not being critical of these people. I'm saying this is self-idolatry, basically, right? And Or idolatry of the media. Um, Taylor Swift was known to shut down Tokyo Airport just by her presence, just by her showing up. Boy, wow, that, that's an icon, right? Uh, so there's different kinds of, of idolatry. And here's another one I want to give you. There's the idolatry of entertainment and pleasure, and that is huge, especially here. And and again, I'm not sharing these things so that I can criticize you or somebody else because they're doing it. I'm, I'm drawing attention to the idea of, of, of what makes idolatry, what, how, how idolatry works itself into our lives. And so there's the idolatry of entertainment and pleasure. Think about TV, games, sports, parties, and uh, in the American culture... And although there's a place for entertainment and there's a place for some of these fun things, any of these things can become idols. And some, they say that when there's big games on, like the Super Bowl or, or a big baseball game, that it, it happens every year. Some men, if their team loses because they bet a lot of money, they end up uh, abusing their wives. And that speaks of a serious problem. That speaks of idolatry. Because in idolatry, whenever someone touches something that, that thing that is sacred to you, you go berserk, and that's a sign of idolatry in our lives. And so, Jordan Peterson once said this, and he's a famous uh, apologist now, and he he's a I think he's a psychologist, but he's he's fills up conference centers and speaks. But he said, "Do we realize how almost exactly the Baal culture of Canaan, which means you know the the idolatry, the idols they worship in, in Canaan, called Baal?" is reproduced in American church culture. Baal religion is about what makes you feel good. Baal worship is total immersion in what I can get out of it. And of course, it was incredibly successful. The Baal priests could gather crowds that outnumbered followers of Yahweh, 20 to 1. And there was sex, there was excitement, there was music, there was ecstasy, there was dance. So, does that sound familiar today to you? That often... Idolatry is intermixed with all these things that, that we mentioned, that we, you know, in quoting Jordan Peterson. And talking to Christians now, right, because this podcast is, is aimed at Christians, I want to, you know, share something that A.W. That, uh, Tozier once said, and that is this. He said, I believe that entertainment and amusements are the work of the enemy to keep dying men from knowing they're dying. And again, entertainment isn't bad in itself, but anything, even the, the most innocuous, innocent thing, can become an idol. Even something pure and perfect can become an idol if it holds a primary place in my heart, in place of God. So I want you to think about this as, as we, as we uh, go to the fourth the fourth kind of idolatry. And again, this is a big one, and I'm, I'm sure that those of you who hear it can, can see this, in in life and maybe in your own life. And you know, I've seen it in my life. And but the idolatry that we speak of is the idolatry of greed. That's the fourth one I want to share. And in America, there's always been this unspoken idea that more is better. Bigger is better. That you know the next movie will be bigger, more special effects, more explosions, more, 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 more. And and better means, you know, more possessions, right? More money, bigger trucks, bigger houses. All these things are, are greed. They're nothing but greed, because those things can steal your heart. And as as a pastor for almost thirty five years now, I have had many years uh, people I ran into who who gambled away their money and their kids' money, you know, because of greed. Something got a hold of them and they couldn't, you know, it became an idol to them. Or people who just lived for stuff and when they lost the stuff, they had nothing to live for. And but think about this for a second that the the idol Baal was also the god of power and success. That's why so many people, even Israelites, forsook Yahweh and worshiped Baal because they were like, I want to be successful, so I'm going to worship this god. And he was the idol of prosperity. And Baal was the god of business, deals, and money. And if you want to be successful and prosperous in this land, you need to follow the ways of the god of that land. And that god is Baal, right? So do you see how idolatry can be easily connected to greed? And, But here's another one I want to give you, number five. And there's the idolatry of sex and violence. That's a huge, huge one today, isn't it? And we find that today... Uh we are so over sexualized and everything we we see on TV and and everything is just there's this focus that um I'd hate to be a kid today with the choices they have to make and the temptations they have and the, the things that come across their plate and i I, I add sex and violence because they, they're they're a pair they join at the hip. you know when you look at a movie, a good movie has sex and violence, right? A good movie always has something that's really edgy. And we live in this sexually charged culture. And America is the world leader in, in, in exporting pornography. And I, I think last count, there's over 500,000 uh, websites, I think. I, I'm sure there's more. I probably have the number wrong. But, but pornography is viewed as so normal that people think nothing of watching it. People make jokes about it. And they don't think about that. That is someone's child. That that is exploitation. That there's something inherently evil about objectifying people and about making sex into a god. And so, so we have the idolatry of sex, right? So, so but we're also a culture that worships brutality. You know, I, I hate to admit this to you, but I grew up loving Clint Eastwood movies, and you know, movies were. You know, and part of it is being a man and, and wanting to see justice, you know, and uh, Rambo movies and all that stuff. But when you think about it, these are violent, excessive movies or excessively violent movies. And in computer games, you know, the violence in computer games, you know, I I I've I've played computer games and you know and things like that. And um but men sometimes can can worship these things. It can become an idol to us that we worship violence, right? And so let, 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 let me just say this that, but even the way we, we look at sex and gender and all these things can become an idol if we're obsessed with it, if we're obsessed with, I, I wanna decide what I am, you know, and, and however you feel about this issue, you know, um, I just wanna challenge you to, to look at the Creator and how He made you. And we find the Second Commandment that it, it touches on identity. And uh, it says this in the Second Commandment, You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is uh, in the, the water under the earth. And Richard Lint says that, that the Second Commandment was intended to protect their identity as image bearers of the divine creator that you cannot alter the image of how you were made and Israel like the rest of us was tempted to define the meaning of life based on their own desires and perceptions based on what they think they want and you know and long for not who God said they were and that's a very important thing that that allows idolatry into people's lives when they when they begin to forsake who God says they are. And and so, when our image becomes inverted, we can easily take our identity and make up any identity. And that's why in the Scriptures, God uses marriage between a man and a woman as as the template for for human identity. And so, let me give you the sixth one, because I don't want to dwell too much on that today, but the sixth one I want to give you is... Is, very, is something aimed more at followers of Jesus, followers of Christ, right? Because nobody can get it wrong more than the church sometimes, and we, we can really mess it up badly, our relationship with God in idolatry. But there's something called religious idolatry, and the, it's when the church has its own totems, right? We showed you that picture of the totem. Uh, I think... Uh, Last time we were together. But a totem is, is an object of worship, right? Whether it's wood or metal, you know. But um, the church can have its own totems, right? A building can become a totem where we worship the building and say, look at our pretty building. Our building is nicer than their building down the street. Or they can fight over where the furniture goes and, and have this agreement. It's happened, I've seen it. They can fight over methods, or worship methods, or human doctrines, or human traditions. We don't mean traditional uh, traditions of the church fathers, but we mean human traditions. Well, we've done it like that for twenty years, and so that's that's doctrine. That's God, you know. And religious idolatry is very subtle because it's not overtly evil, but it is subtly evil, like anything else. And some some famous preachers even have cult followings. And it's no different than those who say, I am of Paul and I am of Apollos, where some people identify and they say, well, I'm a Calvinist or I'm free will, and and then they criticize each other and attack each other. That is the opposite of of Christianity. And so the way church is done can be worshipped, right? It can become a sacred thing of our faith tradition is better than your faith tradition. We're stronger than you. We're better than you. And just as some Jews worshipped the law in the temple, Jesus accused them of knowing all about the law and the temple, but not really knowing God. And so I want to give you the the last one today, and that is political idolatry. And this is a big one because of what we've been through the past couple of years with COVID and and how COVID uh, exposed a lot of weaknesses in the church. And when I speak of political idolatry, um, I mean the idea that, that how we can worship our country as if it's the same as worshiping Jesus. And I'm talking to you Christians now again. But before the presidential elections of 2020, Christian author and speaker, Beth Moore, she tweeted these words, I do not believe these are, ferments, these are days for mincing words. I am 63 and a half years old, and I have never seen anything in these United States of America. I found more astonishingly seductive and dangerous to the saints of God than Trumpism. And the Christian nationalism, this Christian nationalism is not of God, move back from it. And she was talking about when at the height of the whole Trump controversies and all these things that people got angry and they were just verbally attacking each other and physically and some, it became this ugly thing. And however you felt about the last election and the new president or the old president doesn't matter at this point. What matters is what is it bringing out in you is it bringing out in you political idolatry where, where it's more important to you what happens in your country than who you are in Christ and that you're actually fighting for a kingdom not made with hands? And Jeremy Beller uh, defined Christian nationalism this way. And, and I'll, I'll give you this because it's, it's an important point. But he said, Christian nationalism is the interwining of, uh, interwining of the kingdom of God with the kingdoms of men. In the in the American context, it is often displayed by describing America through language reserved for the kingdom of God. The marriage between patriotism and righteousness further blurs, and and uh, f- f- further blurs the, the line between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. And so we find that that thankfully there's been a response by theologians and other leaders, uh, uh, you know, noticing that hey, what is this here? And, but ask yourself this question Have I worshiped my country over God? Have I confused my country over God? And, and, uh, Dr. Michael Brown, uh, who's a messianic Jew, he, he puts it this way about Christian nationalism. He says, You're a Christian nationalist if you confuse loyalty to your country with loyalty to the kingdom of God, or you wrap your, you wrap the gospel in the American flag. Or you merge Christian and American identities, and that's that's Dr. Michael Brown. So often in Christian nationalism, we confuse with being American with being Christian, and that is idolatry. That's political idolatry. And so these things are not a new thing. You know, uh, recently um, I, I came across this this picture here, this shirt here of God, guns, God, guns and guts made America. Let's keep it. Let's let's keep all three, and that sounds patriotic and you know to some, but think about it. When you read Deuteronomy, God specifically said more than once, "Don't ever think once that anything you did made gave you this success and the country you have. It is because I did it." So that church should say, "God made America." <laughs> That's it. Period. Period. And so. Let me close by saying this, and we're going to bring this in for landing here, that God loves us so much that he challenges us on all of these things. And we find that Jesus never mixed the kingdom that he was building, which is an unseen kingdom, with Roman politics, other than, you know, the only power you have is the power God gave you. And Paul in the Bible, the Apostle Paul closes with these words, He says, May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And in the end, we find that that it doesn't matter how small my trinket God is or how big it is. The fact that it has my heart, that's the issue. So if you like this podcast, leave leave a like. And uh, I want you to be challenged today and I want you to grow in the Lord. And if you don't know Jesus... Man, think about these things. Get on your knees and say, God, reveal yourself to me. God loves you. So until next time, check out our our, our YouTube channel. And we also have a website, soul02.com. And so, so good to be with you. Thank you so much. God bless you.